0: Welcome to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoy this week's message, The Last Harvest, The Feast of Gathering." For any further information about this service or the ministries of Consumed Church, you can check us out at theconsumedchurch.com. So good to see you all this morning. I'm so excited about... Um, sharing some about the fall feast of Sukkot. I know that uh, Paola loves this stuff. We were over at Paula's house uh, setting up a, a sukkah. A sukkah is a, uh, is a booth or a tent, uh, a, a dwelling. And I love how, as Paola hosted this morning, she kind of made the connection for me already between the indwelling of God, that place where we uh, tabernacle with God, so to speak. And so that's the subject today we're going to be talking about um, more of the indwelling, but as how it relates to the uh, biblical feasts of Israel, and that's really exciting, God's way of using um, real-life examples and using imagery and um, uh, thus some of the props that we use, but actually using our bodies to prophesy and using days on the calendar and uh, articles and concepts, and he blends it all together to help us understand this concept of living in the kingdom of God. So anyways, why don't we just take a minute, I'm going to pray. Father, (laughs) we love you so much, God. Uh, Lord, I thank you for visuals. (laughs) Uh, But Lord, I ask that in no way that would get in the way of what Holy Spirit wants to do. And Lord, just as you taught me and your disciples and are teaching every one of us, we just declare in the name of Jesus, the kingdom of God is very near you right now. Holy Spirit, I just invite you to come. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning as we share your word, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, So yeah, last week we were, um, me and Lauren were out fishing a couples tournament and it was the championship. So once a year and usually the first week in October, We go to uh, the championship, and that's where it's a a two-day event where you compete out on a boat. And I think last week when Tom hosted, he said something, and I'm not razzing you, Tom, but he said something about, uh, you know, much-needed rest. Well, there's no real rest in that other than uh, finding the Lord's uh, uh, peace and solitude in it. But um, uh, so it wasn't really about a rest. It's about a community that God has sown us into uh, that we've just really enjoyed making connections over the years and um, being a light in in that place, in that environment. And so anyways, as we talk about uh, the the different feasts of the Lord and we focus on uh, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles, I want to hone in specifically on the Feast of Ingathering. So originally it was referred to the first time you see it in Scripture as the Feast of Ingathering and it uh, has everything to do with harvest so being out in the field and collecting your gathering in the crops it was a it was a really big deal so a couple of weeks ago you know i love being here so let me just say that when we're not here oh it just kills me cuz i know that what god's doing here is so wonderful it's just like almost nothing i love more than being here to see what god's going to do whether i'm speaking or brad speaking or tom speaking or Or Paula, or whoever you know, uh, all of you guys just seeing the life of the Spirit. I don't want to miss a moment of it. And uh, I think three weeks ago, uh, I had been invited to uh, a charity fishing event, where I often get invited to stuff like that. I don't always say yes to them, but uh, it was for um, wounded warriors and and uh, soldiers with PTSD. It was for the Chris Kyle Foundation. His parents are still a part of and they were raising money because to date they've given like four million dollars in aid uh, to soldiers that have PTSD. Um, so anyways, it was, a, it was a fishing tournament and it was on a lake that I didn't know I didn't really like. And, um, you know, when we go to these tournaments, we get on a boat at like five o'clock in the morning. And you don't get off the boat till like three o'clock. And so, you know, when it's that particular day, it was it almost hit a hundred and that was in September. So, I mean, there's some work to it, you know, And you're trying to get your biggest five fish, and we have aquariums, they're called live whales in our boat, trying to get your biggest five fish that you can catch of a certain species, largemouth bass, in the live whale so that you can go to the weigh-in and then they weigh, they take the weight of your cumulative weight of fish, and that's how they rank you as whether or not you win. It, yeah, it is it is one heck of a way to serve the Lord. But while I was, while I was there and even practicing on this lake that I don't know, because when you don't know a lake, because lakes are different, you'd think they all do the same thing, but they, they don't. And you have to learn different water. Um, you know, I remember thinking to myself, like, ah, I'm missing church for this. This is brutal. It's hot out here and the fishing's not good. And, uh, you know, I was thinking, Lord, I know that you've called me to be a light, but do these people even... Care, you know? Do, does anybody even notice that I'm out here? You know, looking different than the rest of them. You know, my lifestyle's different, and uh, you know, my attitude wasn't necessarily right. Um, but when I got to the banquet, I walk in, and there's a banquet hall, and it's beautiful, and it's full of people. I don't know, 300 people in there. And uh, the, the guy that's running the whole thing goes, "Oh, Pignatelli! Pignatelli's going to bless the ceremonies." <laughs> And I was like, oh, I am tired and not exactly in the the mood, so to speak. I don't have a worship band behind me to get get the room all nice and soft. You know, everybody's drinking beer and uh, the football, the cowboy games going in the background. And uh, anyways, you know, there's this thing about being instant in season, in season and out of season um, that has everything to do with the tabernacling of God in our presence that we would stay in the presence of God, and that we would actually reap a harvest in the field. And so, you know, the Feast of Sukkot, or the Feast of Booths, or as I said, in Exodus it's referred to the first time it's ever mentioned, the Feast of Ingathering. It connects a couple of themes, and I love how God connects themes together. But So typically we think of the Feast of Booths as uh, they, they would set up booths all over town. Ta- they still do, by the way, in Israel, set up booths all over town on rooftops or in the street or the square or wherever, and they would spend the night. They would camp out in these things to remember their deliverance, the, the, the exodus, how they dwelt in tents. And there's an important element about why they did that. But originally, in Exodus, when it's first mentioned, it was about the harvest. And I love how God actually takes deliverance and harvest and he twists those two things together so that they're not really separable this idea of being delivered and this idea of having a harvest Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) and so God's given us a field everybody's got a field you know there's there's some place where where you belong that's outside of here you definitely belong here too But there's a a place where you set up camp. And I say you set up camp. It's really Christ wants to set up camp because God wants to tabernacle. He is the tabernacle in God. When we think about the stories in the Bible about the tabernacle, it's the place where God's presence is there to meet his people, offer sacrifices. And so the the field of harvest, though, very interesting concept. You know, I, I don't know that we fully understand the, the connection between the field of harvest. Now, I can just go down to uh, Kroger or Walmart and get my meat and get my, get my veggies and potatoes and all that, but back in, you know, for thousands of years, back in their day, um, you know, you didn't have Walmart. They, they had to actually plant crops, and so it's a really big deal that God would give you some space to grow crops, and it's a really big deal that all of your hard work wasn't for naught. That all of your plowing and planting and watering and keeping the bugs off and keeping the critters away all throughout the year so that at the end of the year when everything ripened, it was time to immediately put in the sickle and reap. And, And that's what they would celebrate. So... The feast of in gathering was that you would gather up all of your stuff, and once you've got all your crops gathered together, then you would go and have a party. You would have a celebration before the Lord. And so I, I love that there's feasts. So there's what they call... Does everybody know about the, the pilgrimage feasts? There's three feasts a year that were mandatory feasts for the children of Israel. Does everybody know that? And the, the three feasts, what was called pilgrimage feast would because they would have to travel to the place where the Lord God would decide. And In this case, it was always Jerusalem. It would be there at the temple. And so they would make the pilgrimage from wherever. Brad did a great job last week. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Brad had a map uh, and he showed uh, what the routes would look like as they made the pilgrimage. But so think of this. You have pilgrimage three times a year and it's much like our experience in God. The first pilgrimage was for the Feast of Unleavened Breads, which came on the heels of Passover. Right? The Passover was all about deliverance from slavery, from bondage, orphanhood. The land of servitude, where you didn't have your own, but you were actually belonged to somebody else. So there was a celebration that came with being delivered, being rescued, being saved. And then the next feast is a feast of weeks, and we talk about that, and that's um, centered around Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And there's the counting of the Omer and those things, where every day they're counting down 50 days to the day of Pentecost, day of Pentecost being the early harvest, the barley harvest, the beginning of the year. And as we've been discussing and I've been teaching you guys about inaugurated, enacted inaugurated eschatology, this idea that Jesus stepped into our time and brought the powers of the age to come that we can actually step into when we receive him, that that is eternal life ahead of time before it's even arrived because there is a day coming. We think of Pentecost And the proof and the evidence that that's happened is the Holy Spirit comes upon us in power on on the day of Pentecost. And that's definitely worth a huge celebration. Matter of fact, I I would go to say that we have an experience in God where we surrender our lives to Jesus and he being our sacrificial lamb as the blood is put on the doorpost, so to speak, of our homes and our hearts and our life and he delivers us and he begins to take us out of the land of slavery and bondage and brings us to a place just like in, the, in, in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit's poured out on the day of Pentecost. There's no oh, coincidence that that happened on the day of Pentecost because there's these cycles in God that have always been in the heart of God. If there's like this cycle on the calendar that we would always... And never forget that there's more to this deal than just Passover. And I think a lot of times our expression in, in Christianity focuses all of its attention on deliverance. And we should never forget that. We should always look back and be grateful for the deliverance of God. But do you understand that when he took them out of the promised land, it, I mean, when he took them out of, the, out of Egypt and out of slavery, it wasn't just so that they could get out of slavery, that there was a purpose, and the purpose was connected to land, and the land was connected to being fruitful and planting and having a harvest, so that the third and final harvest was this celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, the Feast Feast of Ingathering. Y'all tracking with me? Uh, See, Jesus doesn't want to just save us and deliver us and make us his children. He wants to fill us and blow us away with the Holy Spirit. But he wants to take us into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. (laughs) Heaven is where he's at. So that we become citizens of heaven. Heaven is our home. Heaven is a tabernacle. A place where we meet with God. Temporarily it's called a tent. But we know that we have a house in the heavens. A temple of God that we're all being built up into. You all tracking with me? So as we celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles... In this concept, what does it mean for us as believers? Maybe we should read some scripture. Great intro. <laughs> oh. So in in Exodus 23, the second half of verse 16, it talks about uh, in this passage, the three feasts. Several places in the Old Testament, the three feasts are mentioned, and as we know, there's more feasts. Like uh, a couple of weeks ago, we did Yom Teruah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, which is not one of the three major, but it actually precedes. Again, this thing of God going out ahead and getting. St- it's like the Holy Spirit just can't wait to meet with us. Can you imagine a lifestyle where we so desire? time with the Lord that you're like a magnet and when you say good morning Lord or hey Holy Spirit that like a magnet or like a faithful companion would run and to where everything and everyone around you is like what was that almost feel the wind in their hair move as the Holy Spirit shows up I want to live like that we can live like that and we're actually called to live like that Everywhere we go, not just in here. It's easy in here. Exodus 23, 16. You shall keep the feast of ingathering at the end of the year when you gather in from the field the fruit of your labor. You realize that there's a gathering in, the fruit of our labor. There's labor's That we get to enter into, Jesus says in the New Testament. Where others have actually done all the hard work and we get to step into their labor so that the reapers and the sowers get to rejoice together. So that this celebration is all about a party. Deuteronomy 16. Starting verse 13. I could have went to Leviticus, you know, in the last couple weeks I spent a, a lot of time in Leviticus. I just remember growing up and reading my Bible all the time. I just have to power through Leviticus. I thought, man, that stuff's dry and boring. I've never been more rocked by Leviticus in my life. I can't believe it. Because of the symbolism and because, of, I say symbolism, because of the connections between God's heart always being enacting things. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, I, I taught us about the, the feasts and the Uh, rituals that we do, even in like baptism and taking communion and uh, the stuff that we do when we enact. It's a prophetic act. It's It's a remembering, a reenacting, and a rehearsal for something even bigger, always. And so were all of these feasts. All right, Deuteronomy 16, you shall keep the feast of booths seven days when you have gathered in the produce from your threshing floor and your wine press. Some of you may recognize an allusion to that from Revelation 15. You shall rejoice in your feast. You and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite, the sojourner, which means the alien or the stranger, someone not like you, the fatherless and the widow who are within your towns. For seven days you shall keep the feast to the Lord your God at the place that the Lord will choose because the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce. Can everyone repeat after me? The Lord your God God will bless you you in all your produce produce. and and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful. I'm going to come back to this in a minute. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. Do you realize that it's in the heart of God for no matter what you do, for you to be extremely blessed and extremely and abundantly fruitful? Altogether joyful. There's, there's something about, even in my fishing, so we, we would, uh, we used to have a, a fishing hole. Actually, it's still there if anybody wants to go in November. Um, but there's a spot that, that God gave me through prayer that is so abundant and teeming with fish that we used to call it harvesting. <laughs> I'd take people from church, you know, and I, I'd know that, they may, that maybe they don't know how to fish or whatever. It doesn't matter. I mean, we'd just go just knock them dead, and we'd be up at 3 o'clock in the morning just giddy, just giddy and laughing and, and cleaning fish. And, and one year, I, I got out there and... Um, Lauren will remember this. Uh, I, got, I got so much of it that I was actually nauseous because I, I had put lines out in the lake for like catfish and then I went and did my thing for the striped bass and I caught so many fish because what do we do, five days or something, four or five days? I caught so many fish. I had one of those, uh, what are those big coolers, 188 quart or whatever that is, monster cooler and I kept putting bags of fillets in there and then I ran out of room for ice. Thank God it was cold out, wintertime. And to where I had to go and trim the fillets down and everything. I had so many fillets, you couldn't put another fillet in this thing. And by the time we got home and then I had to wash all those fillets and freeze them and put them in bags, I was seriously nauseated. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's something about the harvest that is, makes you giddy because God is so good that he would bless your lands and he would bless you with rain and he would bless your going in and your coming out so that you're so stinking blessed Amen. that you just, when you're going to uh, the end of the last harvest, you know that you're going to eat good. Everybody's going to eat. As a matter of fact, there's so much that you don't worry about that anymore. You've got enough for the alien, for the orphan, for the widow, for your mom and your dad and your brother and your, your kid brother that doesn't do anything. <laughs> You got it more than enough for your whole community. You guys, we live in a reality where we go to work every day and we're like, ugh, church is so good, but this place sucks. I mean, excuse the terminology, but I, I've lived my life like that before where I, I didn't understand that God wants to set up camp. He wants the tabernacle in the middle of my field. Some of us may go. Well, I'm retired, or I'm a school student. I don't have, I don't have a job. I don't have. A... You look, everybody's got a field. As a matter of fact, you may have multiple fields. Yeah. The the more that you get a hold of this, the more God fields God's going to give you to take, to take care of, to look after. Um, now some of y'all might have heard me tell this story before I worked at a place for 20 years Almost 20, I was 18 um, And I knew I had a, a call of God on my life <laughs> <sighs> How much of this story do I tell, Lord? You know, you look at it, a guy that doesn't have a, a Bible degree Don't count me out, though I didn't get to go to Bible college. I say that. It was a decision that I made. I don't know if it was right or wrong when um, shortly after we got married, you know, I had this whole thing hanging over me for most of my life that there was a call to the ministry. It's funny because when you're young and ready to go into Bible college and ready to go conquer the world, you know, you're idea of what that is is not necessarily, you know, it's, it's um, glamorous or whatever, and, um, you know, uh, my family had been broken quite a, quite a bit, our, our home in many ways was a broken home, and uh, my dad had actually had a, a call to ministry when he was younger, and that never came to anything, and uh, he always regretted it, um, but, Kara, th- can I tell the story? <laughs> This is my daughter, Kara. Well, I'm like, why am I doing this one, Lord? But okay, here we go. Um, well, I was just about to go to the owner. I've been working at a place, a car dealership, for about a year. And I was just about to go to the owner and ask him, because he was a believer, if he would give me favor. If he would allow me to go to uh, Bible college. I was going to go to CFNI i and allow me to work part-time. Because I had a career where, you know, it was a, the type of career that's a, a career where you can make good money and, and provide for a family. And, uh, and then we got pregnant with Kara. Huh. And um, just fear came over me and I thought, oh my gosh. Because I know folks that uh, raise kids on campus at CFNI and they, um, they just all kinds of stories of that not working out. But just being really hard. And uh, for whatever reason, I just thought, I, I can't do that, you know. I watched my dad, the way that he kind of bobbled taking care of his family. And I was like, I, I just can't. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I can't yet. I, I just can't. I can't do it yet. I, I can't do this ministry thing. And uh, I, I've got to take care of this kid. I've got to raise this kid. And the Lord just said, got it you know, he's got all the time in the world. Uh, So my Bible college came in the form of me being in the trunk of cars with a grinder and a torch at 1300 degrees, just sweating and bleeding and banging away. And uh, I can't tell you how many years of grinding away in those trunks of cars that I was crying out to God saying, Lord, can I please go (laughs) deliver me from this? Because I have always been this way since I met the Lord, that I, I really have to hear God before I make a, a major decision that involves life dis- choices. And the Lord just, to, and I, y'all have heard me say this, but the Lord's answer was abide. You know, and, and I didn't, I was like, abide, I know that means like chill out, like calm down, <laughs> get over it, you know. I, I, that was my level of understanding, um, I, I didn't get it. This is abide. Tabernacle with me. Tabernacle with me. You think you needed Bible college. About that time, MP3 technology came out, and I downloaded the Bible on MP3, and I would listen to the Bible, the Word of God in my ears. As matter of fact, it got to where I couldn't even think straight. Some people say, well, I can't focus on my work. No, it, it became where it, I was inseparable from the Word of God. My work and the Word became where I couldn't even work without the Word of God in my ears. So it was like almost memorizing the Bible. You know, that's important. You're not going to do that in Bible college. You don't have time for that. They're teaching what they want to teach you. Well... The crew that I worked with was rough. You know, this was an auto body shop. And it's hard work, it's sweaty work, it's dirty work, it's chemicals, it's all that. And it was a rough environment. I mean, the boss used to show up and cuss everybody out first thing in the morning. And, th- you know, that's, that was like a real wake-up call to get cussed out first thing in the morning. <laughs> and um, I remember just being like, God. What am I doing here? I I can't stand it. Would you just let me out of here, please? Please let me out of here. The Lord showed up and he said, you want out of here? Okay, and I went full on vision. He said, you can leave. I mean, you can. You're free to go. But you've been working with these people for, I don't know what it was, a decade or 14 years ate lunch together, did everything together, and he showed me the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm at a table. I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. And then I started looking around. Hey, where's, what's his name? Where's, what's her name? Where's so-and-so? People I live with every day. He said, they're not here, but you go ahead and leave. You're done. I had no concept of a harvest. (laughs) That not only is salvation a feast, deliverance a feast, and Holy Spirit good times we have in here a feast, but there's a feast about your works in your field, your harvest. Verse 16, three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose. You know, we don't get to pick that stuff. And it doesn't really matter where it's at, I don't think. Of course, this is talking about the tabernacle or the temple. But there's an element about our field that God gets to pick where our field is. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Booths, get this, they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Every man shall give as he's able, according to the blessing of the Lord that your God he has given you. Guys, I don't want to show up before the Lord empty-handed when we talk about, how about the harvest? I didn't have one. I thought it was all about being in church. I don't want any of you to show up empty-handed. I'm still working on this. Here's the wonderful thing, though, about tabernacling. Because lest we think it's all something that we got to run out and frantically start trying to evangelize everybody. Tabernacling in the field is just doing what you're doing here, but over there. So that anywhere that you go, you stay connected, you you do the entering in thing with the Lord. So I repented, guys. I got on my hands and knees and I was like, oh, God, don't let me leave here. Like, don't let me make a stupid decision until I have some fruit. Until these people have at least seen the goodness of God in the land of living manifested through me rather than always arm wrestling with them trying to tell them how to be holy or whatever no there's something about the foreigner and the people within your borders that you would actually give to them it just turned my world upside down see Christian if if our Christian experience if all we're thinking about is uh the feast of you know Passover and and uh pentecost where where we get absolved of our sins and then we get all the good gifts of god poured out on us if it's only that then i think oftentimes our expression when we get outside the four walls or even there's something about our life where it's all the receiving end and not any giving you realize that being brought into the triune god and the fellowship with him we've been brought into the cycle of giving and receiving you have to have both there is a way for us then to give that our the outward expression of where we're at is just to be an open conduit of the life of God. I think all too often the world has seen Christians that show up on Sunday afternoon after church that don't tip and give them a hard time. I know that's a, a often quoted scenario, but I'm, I'm talking about our lifestyles being that of giving, and the Lord had to teach me how to Lay down my life for those people around me. Oh boy, did stuff start to change. But the change has to happen in here, and it really has to happen in our vision. We have to see differently. (laughs) The Lord says, "Hey, lift up your eyes, look up. Why are we always looking down at our hands? If like there's lack, there's no lack in God. He's so good to us that there is no." There is so much abundance that he has for us. We don't have to keep looking down. He said, look up. The fields are white yeah. under harvest. They're always ready for harvest. Always. I was going to get you all a bunch of these, but... Thank you. <laughs> I love how the Lord loves just, you know, let me look ridiculous for a while. I'm a fool... For you, Jesus, any day. <laughs> so my so my attitude towards the people that I worked with really shifted, and instead of just trying to um, show righteousness or whatever, I actually was looking at them. I'm looking at the white heads. How can I do this? And like I said, it's all about the tabernacling presence of God. So I began to just worship the Lord and all that and i had I had a lady that um well i won 't talk it she just wasn 't a believer i 'll just leave it at that uh, but she, she tend to be really uh, um, uh pushy and kind of intimidate people. everybody would get rattled by her or whatever. Well, she was yelling at me. I told this story the other night, but she was yelling at me uh, from across the shop because she wanted me to do something for her. She was always you know, this is her world, and we we're living in it. <laughs> But uh, she, I was worshiping the Lord while I was working, just hosting the presence, having this amazing moment with God. And she came and grabbed me like to, and bam, down she went, just totally passed out because <laughs> the glory of God hit her. And I don't know that she knew that that's what it was, you know, but she, you know, there, I'm telling you, there's something to uh, pitch in your tent in the field Amen. and allowing the, the manifest presence of God to do what he does. And it looks like giving back to them so I picked her up you okay I, I just passed out I, I don't know what happened you know I took her and set her down in her office and all that and over time I mean she started going to church and that's I did my part um I, I, I don't know I don't know that I'm just leaving it at that uh I started I, I actually started evangelizing and, and teaching uh you know a bible class and uh the boss <laughs> the guy that cussed everybody out every morning uh I went walking by him one day, and he he full on had a manifestation. He started snarling like an animal at me, and said, "You can't be doing that Bible blah, 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 blah study in here." And I thought, "Whoa!" And a, one of my Hispanic buddies walked by. And he goes, "See, I told you, it's Diablo." <laughs> <laughs> I I told you I knew it. He said, Diablo. <laughs> what I'm saying is that that we actually are called to. Bring the presence of God, no matter where we're at, into our field. We all have a field. I don't know that you know that you have a field, but even before that, I remember I used to walk around my workspace and I would pray over it and I would say, "This is my field, and keep the enemy out." That God has blessed me in this field; it will be productive. Those sorts of things. Uh, I thought it was about me making money, which was just a given. And I could go on and tell you stories about how God miraculously always provided more than enough. We had plenty of money. But I started, you know, cooking these people meals at holidays and buying them thoughtful gifts and actually pouring into their lives. And then when, when they would have a, a, a moment, like a life moment, they would come to me and say, you know, my son just got injured or whatever it was and pray for them. And many of them now, when I, I look and they, they are shiny examples today. Three or four of them anyways. I got a couple of them. You may not get them all, but you're going to get a couple of them. Yeah. <sighs> really no, I don't have a... Well, I mean, I'm a business owner now, and so the spheres are different. Brad <laughs> said last week that I was in my Metron. You know, the Metron is a, is a Bible word for sphere or sphere of influence. You You've all got spheres that god has placed you into now here's where it gets really juicy okay y'all ready yeah. is it, i mean are, are, are we can we take a deep breath all right here's where it gets really juicy because we've been talking about indwelling and the tabernacling nature of god what i come to realize is that my life is not my own I I love that (laughs) Jesus is up to stuff, y'all. He loves camping out. You realize that that's all he did was camp. He didn't have a house. He didn't have a place to lay his head. Foxes have holes. Son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He loved camping out. He just spent his whole life in the field. At least his ministry anyways. Let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I love that this feast comes on the heels of the Day of Atonement. We talked about Feast of Trumpets. Blowing the trumpet, the sound. As a matter of fact, the feast would start. Candace, can you blow the trumpet? <laughs> All the feats would sound with the blowing of a trumpet. Thank you. It's a call to attention, a, a call for the people of God to put their head outside the tent. and, Whoa, what's going on? I will get back to the story about Kara, by the way, sooner or later. But I love how the feasts, there'll be some other feasts that even get you ready for it. So the Feast of Trumpets happens, Yom Teruah, the blowing of the trumpet, where you sit under the sound of the trumpet, the call of God. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago anticipating that final trumpet and it leads 10 days of awe of this repentance and processing with the Lord until the day of atonement and if you got my email everybody reading my emails (laughs) I talked about the 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 significance of the day of atonement and in Christ now yes he was our paschal lamb our passover lamb but he was also our scapegoat. And being a scapegoat has something to do with, you know, the, (laughs) on the day of the atonement, the high priest would go into the temple and he would take the blood of, of one goat for the sin offering and he would cleanse and purify for his own sins, his family's sins, and every object of the ministry, he would cleanse. And then he would come out and he would take some of that blood and put it on the other goat and he would confess the sins of the nation and run it out never to come back. Well, I just love the preparation because that's only five days before the Feast of Tabernacles. So there's this regular thing that we need that, you know what, we screw this up sometimes. In our trying to minister, we make mistakes, but there's this, the blood of Jesus is good for that too. Think about ministers who failed it it applies to them yes. hallelujah praise the lord without going into a big thing on atonement you can read the weekly email for that <clears throat> but i want to talk about this idea of reconciliation you know we've been called to a ministry of reconciliation paul says in second corinthians chapter 5 and some of the most famous verses out of chapter 5 are 17 and 21 17 talks about i'm a new creation Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We love quoting that one. Uh, 21 talks about he became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Those are awesome. But there's more to the subject matter of reconciliation. That's the reason why I brought up atonement. The whole idea of atonement is reconciliation. You know, we, we could say at-one-ment. A little trick we do in the English language, even though it doesn't really apply very well. But this idea of being reconciled to God, becoming one with him, I don't think that we understand fully. Because we'll take and apply it to Passover or maybe even Pentecost, but not necessarily to the final harvest. Are you all understanding what I'm saying? So how do we take this idea of reconciliation and apply it to the final harvest? It's like this. You're not doing this alone Christ is living his life through you. If you read all of chapter 5, it has a lot more to say than just this idea that he became sin and I got to skip out of there like the leprechaun, you know, with the righteousness of God on me. It has a lot more to say about just me becoming a new creation. It actually explains what that means look in verse 14. We got that pulled up? That's what we have, right? Yeah, okay. Verse 14 and 15 say this, for the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What I'm saying is that when we died, when we were baptized, we actually died with him. And when we came back up, we were resurrected with him to become one with Jesus. So if you think that Jesus is, if you realize that Jesus is one with you, we're not living a life where now we're just blessed and forgiven and given a bunch of abundance. No, you actually have the Son of God living inside of you. So that when God sees you, he sees Jesus. And I can't say that enough that the life that I now live, I'm dead. That old me is dead. It's not just about me and my habits and all that sort of thing. No, it's that Christ is living his life through me. Now get this. I was serving the whole time. (laughs) The whole time that I was working this job for 18 years, I was serving at a a church as like a lay minister, uh, served in an elder capacity, we called it, council member there. And I did all the stuff around the church. You know, we cleaned bathrooms and cleaned the foyer and I was a greeter and passed the plate and sat everybody and all this stuff, right? So it's hands-on ministry. Sat underneath an amazing Bible teacher. It was like being in a a lecture hall every week. Uh, Sermon after sermon, they were great. And um, it came time where the Lord started shaking my life up and I started having dreams and visions of pillars of fire being here on Precinct Line Road. Now I know this this place. Um, and I mean, years, like a decade before any of this ever materialized, maybe 15 years before this had materialized. And uh, it pushed me into a place of further seeking out the Lord. Lord, what, what do you mean? What are you, what are you saying? All these dreams, what, what's going on? Like this calling me, and I, I felt this burden to another step or something. And when I processed with my leaders, they said, oh, well, you should get, uh, you should get your license. And so I went through all the steps to get licensed with the Foursquare denomination, and uh, they made me the associate pastor. And I remember when all that went down, I was, I was praying, "Lord, is that it?" And He said, "No, but it'll be good for you. That's not it, though." Because I was like, I, I had the burning and shaking, and the visions that I had were so tremendous that I'd wake up in a cold sweat, you know, and uh, just be in a, in a more of a family home style church. It it just didn't seem like that that was that, right? And he said, no, but this will be good for you. And I processed with with my pastor at the time uh, when stuff started really intensifying and Alan and Nancy Smith planted Catch the Fire Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, and the Lord led me to that and said, okay, now this is it. With make the story short. And I was like, I don't get it. How's this that? You know, they're asking me to come and do more of what I had been doing for 16 years as being an elder, right? And um, anyways, I, I went to my pastor and processed with him, just being open, just said, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll keep teaching uh, for a year or six months or, you know, uh, I just know that the Lord's called me to be a part of this other thing. And uh, so I left it to him and he, and he said, um, well, it'll be, you know, on, on this date. It was, like, I think that the following Wednesday. And I was like, not that day. I'm already tore up about that day. That's the day that Kara leaves to go to college. She's never left my home. I'm like emotionally distraught because I don't know what to do. She just had to go to Bible college in California. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, we have lots of good colleges around here. I just love my kids. I love it that they love being in our home. But I was crying out to God because it just felt so, so awkward. I felt like there was something wrong with the way it was playing out. I'd submitted, God, I'd submitted to every authority and all and to your spirit and everything. I said, why do I have to experience this tearing on the same day? Why? Because I just came in and said, we bless you and whatever, and I left, and that was it. I was teaching on the book of Revelation, of all things. <laughs> just pulled up in the middle of chapter 4. Um, can't do that to people. (laughs) God's timing is impeccable, is impeccable. In my quiet space with the Lord, he said, do you remember, do you remember what you said to me? That you had to raise this child first. I hadn't even thought about it for 20 years. I said, yeah, I do. He said, are you done yet? (laughs) He said, there's no time to waste. And here I am, your pastor. Even though when I I came over, I had no idea. Anyways, I'm telling you that God has a way of dealing with time that will blow our mind. And so when we see the feasts... And the and the stuff on the calendar, I don't take it lightly. Now I, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily part of the prophetic movement where every number means something. But it, maybe it does. <laughs> God's just that just that amazing, and and that he could that he could narrow stuff down to a day. Okay, so there's that story. As I'm wrapping up, I just want to drive home this idea, though, that Christ, as we tabernacle with God, as we've been talking about the indwelling, that we dwell in him and he dwells in us. Do you understand when I was talking about all those years as I studied the word of God to where it got to where I couldn't even function without hearing the word in my ear the whole time, that the word of God had actually become flesh and dwelt among me. There's this (laughs) transformation that takes place. Brad, didn't you talk about that last week? A transfiguration where we're we're, we're changed into his image. And I'm telling you where it gets to a place where it's like, where does he start and I stop? I mean, I don't know. But he wants to live that kind of a life. And what you don't understand is that no matter where you're at right now, the people around you is where he's got his eyes. He's got his eyes on them. I love in the book of Matthew. Now, I'm going to just have to tap into your uh, treasure trove remembrance. But in the book of Matthew, at the end of chapter 9, he's talking about the harvest. And he says, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send laborers into the harvest. He says this in many places in the New Testament and the Gospels. And then he grabs his disciples in the beginning of chapter 10. And he brings them together and he begins to instruct them. Right? He tells them, he gives them authority over unclean spirits and over diseases. And he's going to send his disciples out. And then he gives them these instructions. You don't need anything. Don't, don't take anything with you. Because the labor is worthy of his wages. God is going to do miraculous things. Sometimes we're always focused about what we got in our hands. He's like, I I don't have any lack. There is no lack. Stop making your life revolve around what you're going to get. I think that when we only see salvation and we only see outpouring, it's always about what we're going to get. No, that's that's settled. Can we all just agree? That's settled. That's settled in every aspect of your life. There's more than enough for every good work. I just bless you with that in the name of Jesus. That's God's desire. He is good. When we sing, you've always been faithful. That's what we're singing about. He is never, ever, ever going to let me down. Y'all get that? So that when he says, oh, look, but I got an assignment for you. We're going to go out in the field. We're going to go out in the field. I'm going to send you out. There's a sending out into the field. We're going to tabernacle there. Because it's... You only got so much time to reap before that stuff goes bad. You got to get it while it's ripe. And Jesus said, it's always white. It's always ready. Now, I mean, just as quick as you planted, it it immediately pops up. It's ready to harvest. It's what he's talking about. The word of God immediately begins to spring up life and to ripen. He wants access To your life. What does he do with the disciples? He gives them all these instructions. And he sends them out. And then look at the beginning of chapter 11. I actually didn't grab it. But the beginning of chapter 11 says. That when he would sent them out. They were off on mission. Empowered by him and he went to all their cities and preached the gospel Jesus is in your backfield he told me when when I was like Lord you're asking me to pastor a church and there's no money for a salary he said you take care of my house I'll take care of yours and I've never been more blessed it's a whole nother level I didn't know it was there it was impossible it's just I don't stop looking down. He said, get your eyes up. The harvest is white. Ripe and ready. I, I I just this indwelling thing, I'm just ate up with it. I'm just absolutely ate up with it. That as we tabernacle wherever we're at, that he's got your he's in your backfield. We, work, you know, we think about our, our, our kids or our loved ones or whatever. I'm telling you, eyes up, everybody, eyes up. Come on. Eyes up. You have a field. So the question is this. Why don't we all stand up? Anna? Yeah, that's not the question. I am going to say, let's stand up and then I'll ask a question. Sorry. Probably a couple of. goodness bless you lord we love you god lord we live for you thank you for giving us your life not just as the paschal lamb but also to live out our lives, Lord. The the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus is something that we actually get to walk in. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, as we ask this question, where is our field, Lord? As a matter of fact, you trust us with crops. God, I repent for every place Every time, every community, every gathering of others, Lord, where I just was indifferent. Or, Lord, through timidity and fear of being awkward or different, Lord, I've decided to, to hide, to be in the shadows rather than to manifest your presence. So, Lord, as you're asking us today, hey, where's that field? Tabernacle in that field could be a PTA could be a HOA could be board meeting for the city could be your place of employment I, I, as a matter of fact if you have a job I guarantee you it is there If you're in school, it's your classmates, it's your neighborhood, it's your family. (laughs) But Lord, rather than it being a heavy thing, you said it's a rejoicing. And Lord, we rejoice because we're blown away by your abundance by watching your presence manifest. So, Lord, we step in today. Take a step or something. Somebody move your body a little bit. We step into tabernacling with the presence of God. Heaven is our home. Lord, you said that when your word is kept, when we abide in your word, that you will abide in us that you and the Father will come and make your home with us. Lord, we confess right now that your word is our home. Heaven is our home. Lord, as Paul talks about the beginning of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he talks about our body being a tent. (laughs) It's no coincidence that he's talking about the tent, and then he talks about the reconciliation of God. Lord, while we're in this tent, we just give you full access. And y'all just do that in your own words. Give him full access, not just on Sunday morning, not just in your devotional time, but everywhere you go. And God, I'm praying that you give us eyes that look up. Lord, you are the lifter of our head so that we can see all around us, Lord, that everything is ripe. Lord, we we say there's, oh, there's four months. There's a big gap between when the seeds get planted and when it's harvested. And you said, no, I'm telling you right now that you're in a season, we prophesied this at the beginning of the year, you're in a season where your seeds are popping up as soon as you do it. Say, Lord, I've wasted my life. I have no fruit. That was my story for 25, 30 years or something. The Lord says, no, 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 no in the kingdom of God, as soon as it hits the dirt, there's a miraculous outflow of the power of God that wants to run through you that looks like a, a river bringing life to everywhere that you go. Come on. So Lord, we just received the river of God. Thank you, God. God, we repent for everywhere. where We've put limits, boundaries, even caged you up. God, open up our understanding. Open our eyes, Lord, to where we see you active in every part of our life. You guys, there's so many things that are in you, the interests that God's put in you, they're not wrong. Pastor Matthew Benavides, he's a part of a rock band and he goes to rock concerts and he evangelizes there Pastor Matthew, he goes to Iron Man, and I know and I'm praying that he actually, the Lord makes him famous in Iron Man for the sake of the gospel and the connections that he makes when he's there. I'm not, you know, this is probably crazy for a preacher to say, you know, take a Sunday off every now and then. Not a lot, but. (laughs) Be a part of whatever that interest, you know, our, our communities rely on interest groups. Most of what we do is, you know, you name it. People are into sports or whatever. It's, we're not there for the sports. And yet, God's so good, you get to enjoy that too. But we can't forget why we're, why we're here. Amen? So there's an exhortation. I, I was like, Lord, are we going to do some um, activation other than me looking like a fool with white glasses? I was going to get you all a pair of white glasses, but couldn't make it happen, sorry. This is supposed to be a really joyous occasion. Lord, we celebrate, hallelujah, we celebrate your goodness. Lord, all of our life, you have been faithful. All of our life, you are so good, Lord. Ha, hallelujah. I can't even wait for the next harvest, Lord. Woo, Bless God. Well, it, when I do a, a week where it's an exhortation like this, I, the activation, I'm not so sure, but I bless you all in the name of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will enlighten your understanding, that he will lift your eyes to, to see that there is so much for you to bring in, that Jesus is actually doing the work. He'll do stuff supernaturally. Live a life of the Holy Spirit that is supernatural in Jesus' name. Prayer team, if you'll come forward, if, if you're in a place where you're like, man, I wanna seal this, I wanna pray over this, uh, it's cool, let's do it. <laughs> there is outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need Pentecost for. We need to, I heard somebody say recently, that we need to rest while we're running and run while we're resting. We need to learn how to stay filled up. He even talked something about this and talked about the fear of the Lord. (gasps) The fear of the Lord needs to be stronger in our life than being afraid of people, than the fear of man. Because when we fear the Lord, I'm more afraid of where they're gonna be if they don't find Jesus than I am about my discomfort in allowing the Lord to manifest Himself. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I love you guys. Bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Consumed Church weekly podcast. This entire service and others can be viewed on our Facebook and YouTube channels. If you would like to partner with us, and raising the next generation of kingdom bringers, you can do so at theconsumedchurch.com slash give.